Welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We invite you to open your Bibles and follow along with us as we study God's Word together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. My name is Cody Westbrook, and I'll be your host for this episode. As we turn our attention back to the book of 1 John, one point that becomes incredibly clear in this book, but also throughout the entirety of Scripture, is that there is a great deal of difference between the children of God and the children of the world, or at least there should be. Earlier in 1 John chapter 2, a passage that we looked at in our last episode, John talked about the Antichrists, and here's one thing that he said about them in verse 19. He said, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not of us. What does it mean to be of us? Well, essentially what he's talking about, he's talking about those who are the faithful children of God. And as we transition to 1 John chapter 3, verse number 1 and following, We find passages that have a great deal to say uh, about what it means to be a child of God. It's a context that really begins to describe the church or Christians as the family of God. I want you to notice first that there is a very important declaration in 1 John 3 verse 1 and the second part, or excuse me, the first part of verse 2. Listen to what John says in 1 John 3 1. He says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. Look at the words that John uses in this this passage. John says, Behold, and it's an imperative. It's essentially John writing and saying, Take note, or quick look. Take notice and fix your attention upon the subject that we're discussing. Well, what's the subject that we're discussing that really needs to catch our attention? Well, it's the love of God. It's as if John is saying, look, the love of God is like a big, bright, flashing LED sign on the side of the road as you're driving past that demands your attention. Stop and look and be impressed with the magnitude of the love of God. Well, in what way are we to see the magnitude of the love of God, according to 1 John 3 and verse 1? Well, it is seen in the fact that we are called the children of God. You see, this is a purpose clause that shows that the result of God's love is that man becomes his child. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, that we are the children of God and that we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. That we are able to approach the Father as Abba Father, which is indicative of a very close relationship. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, the Apostle Paul describes the church as a family. It is a family that is made up of all people uh, from all over the world, Jew and Gentile, male and female, black and white, regardless of language and skin color and culture and so on. 
It transcends all of those things. Behold what matter of love the Father has bestowed upon us, then that we should be called the sons of God. You see, the prophets looked forward to this. Hosea 1 and verse number 10, the prophet Hosea said, Yet the number of the children of Israel will be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And it will come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people, there it shall be said unto them again, You are the sons of the living God. Jesus came to give men power to become the children of God by giving them the opportunity to obey, according to John chapter 1 and verse number 12. So John is calling up our attention to the magnitude of God's love, which is seen in the fact that we have the ability to be called His children and to address Him as our Father and to be joint heirs with Christ. It is a privilege. It is a blessing of the highest magnitude to be called the sons of God. But not only is it a privilege, not only is it a blessing, it also comes with certain responsibilities. I always think of Ephesians 1.5 and Ephesians 5.1. In Ephesians 1.5, the Bible tells us that we've been adopted into the family of God by Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 5.1, we're told that because we are adopted into the family of God, we need to bear the family resemblance. We need to be imitators of God. I've been told often throughout my life that I remind people of my father, that I look like him and have similar mannerisms, and I walk and talk like him in, in many ways. You've probably heard uh, similar things in your life. You see, we, we look similar. We, we bear resemblance to our parents because they are our parents. Well, God is our Father, and the Bible teaches us that we are to look like Him and act like Him and think like Him and, and do the things that He would do to the best of our ability. Be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect, Matthew 5 and verse number 48. Be holy as I am holy, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, as quoted from Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44 and 45. Jesus said in John chapter 8, I always do those things that please the Father. If my goal is to please the Father, then I need to, the very best of my ability, I need to do things the way Jesus did them. I need to think how Jesus thought and speak like he spoke. I need to love like he loved. I need to view things in the way he viewed them. Every area of my life needs to be like Christ. And if I can do that, then I'll be on my way to pleasing and to imitating my Father. Now, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 through 9, the second part of verse 2 through 9, John begins to tell us about uh, our responsibility as the children of God. The first thing he says in the second part of verse number 2 is this. He says, And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Now, John is talking about our hope, and he'll elaborate on that in the next verse. Our hope of eternal life. He is looking forward to the end of all things in which the world will, will come to an end, and the judgment day will happen, and we will be resurrected in order to meet the Lord in the air and go to be with Him in heaven forever. 
according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Well, the Bible describes the resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in terms of a spiritual body. The Bible tells us that our bodies will be resurrected, but we'll have a spiritual body. Well, what will that spiritual body look like? Well, John tells us something about it in this verse. He says, we're going to be like Christ. We don't know what that means. We don't know what that looks like. We don't yet know what it will be, but we do know that we'll be like him because we'll see him as he is. In Philippians 3, Paul will say that our bodies will be changed. So the resurrected body, the Bible says, will be one that looks like Christ. It's just like him. And yet the Bible, the Bible does not specify exactly what that looks like. It doesn't give us the details. And so it would be wrong for us to speculate any further than what the Bible actually tells us. But this is our hope. You see, we're talking about being the children of God. We're talking about being heirs and joint heirs with Christ, Romans chapter 8, and being able to address God in the, in the terms of, of Abba Father, closeness. We're talking about glory and the hope of eternal life that belongs to a Christian. Now, because you are the children of God, 1 John 3 and verse number 1, you know that you have this hope, 1 John 3 and verse number 2. That is, that we'll go home to heaven to be with our heavenly Father for eternity. But now, look at the latter part of verse 1 and connect it with verse 3. In verse 3, he says, Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. In verse 1, the end of the verse, he says, Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Now, why would the world not know us, and what does that mean? Well, of course, it's not, it's not, talking, about, it's not talking about a casual knowledge. There, there are all kinds of people in the world who casually know who we are. We work with them. We play baseball. Our kids play baseball with them. We see them in the grocery store. That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is a more intimate knowledge of who we really are. The world does not know us because it did not, did not know him. Those of the world never acknowledged Christ for who he really was. Just the same as in the previous chapter, John has written about the Antichrist that deny Christ. It's the same idea. Well, if they denied Christ, if they rejected Christ, they're going to reject his, uh, they're going to reject his people as well. Well, what is it then that, that differentiates us that, that leads to that, uh, to that end? Well, that's verse number three. And everyone who has this hope in himself purifies himself just as he is pure. What, is it, what does it mean to purify oneself? Well, John has talked to us a little bit about this already. In 1 John chapter 1, John said that we are to walk in the light as he is in the light. And if we do that, then we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. He says, don't say that you have no sin, because if you do, you make God a liar. But when you sin, confess that sin, and that sin will be forgiven. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, he said, don't love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So what does it mean to purify oneself? It means, as John has written, number one, to walk in the light, 
and number two, to reject the world. You see, we are the children of God, and because we are the children of God, what we should desire more than anything in this world is to go home to heaven to be with our Father forever. And because we have this this homecoming awaiting us, we are to be preparing ourselves for that time. And the way that we do that is by purifying ourselves, by living a holy life that is separate and apart from the world. That's our responsibility. There's a great privilege that comes with being a child of God, but there's also a great responsibility, and that is that we stay away from sin. Look how John continues to develop this thought in verse 4 through 9. He says, Whoever commits sin commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins neither has seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever is born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. Now, look at some of the things that he says here. First, in verse number 6, he said, Whoever abides in him does not sin. The word abide means to settle down and remain or to be at home. It's the idea of making yourself at home. So whoever makes themselves at home in him does not sin. Well, what does it mean, does not sin? Well, it's not saying that you'll never commit a sin, because we know that in chapter 1, he said no one can say that. It's the idea of a lifestyle. It's continual sinning. Whoever continues to abide in him does not keep on sinning. Well, why is it that the one who continues to abide in him does not keep on sinning? We'll connect the dots, again, earlier in the book. Because he's walking in the light, which means we're striving every day to be better than we were the day before. And because he is rejecting the world, chapter 2, verses 15, 16, and 17. And because he is purifying himself, chapter 3 and verse number 3. If we really are abiding in Christ, then we're going to do everything we can to distance ourselves from sin. Look at something else that he says. He says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous, but he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Notice the emphasis on the action. You see, he tells us that the one who practices righteousness is the one who will be right, and the one who, who practices sin is the one who will be wrong, the one who will be of the devil. Again, remember earlier in chapter 2, he said, They went out of us, excuse me, from us, but they were not of us. What does it mean to be of? Well, it's the idea of possession or location. You see, those who are of God are striving to be like God. Those who are of the world are striving to be like the world. So 1 John 3, verse 1, he tells us that we are the children of God, but then in verse 2 through 9, he says, God's children have a responsibility not to sin. We have a responsibility not to live in sin and to practice sin. Well, why? Because we have a great hope, verse number 2 and verse number 3. And that hope is what motivates us and, and pushes us to avoid sin. 
and to be more like our Heavenly Father. He also tells us, however, that, that God's children have a responsibility to love one another in 1 John 3, verse 10 and following. He says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. What's the difference between being of God and between being of Satan, of the devil, or of the world? Well, one is purity and sinfulness, but another is love. He says love is the ultimate determination of whether or not I truly am God's child. Whoever does not love his brother, verse number 10, is not born of God. You see, love is, love is a foundational and all-encompassing principle. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 3, the scripture says that all that we do must be motivated by love. In John 13, verse 34 and 35, and in John 15 and verse number 2, uh, Jesus will say that we are to love one another as he loved us. In fact, in 1 John 3, 11, he says this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Well, from the beginning of what? Well, from the beginning of Christianity, I suppose. From the beginning of Christ preaching and teaching and revealing to us what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a child of God. But love is not something that is just spoken. Love is something that is demonstrated. Look at verse 16 through 18. By this we know we love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and see his, sees his brother uh, in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does, he, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. The church is the family of God, and so we cultivate an atmosphere of love, and that's seen through action, working together and building one another up, helping one another through the difficulties of life, financial or emotional or whatever they might be, serving uh, one another and serving with one another. Love is seen in action. And then finally, in verse 19 through 24, he says the children of God are confident. He says, and by this we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about assurance. And when you put all of the information together, what we learn is that we have assurance by loving and by living as God's children. Notice the, the, the number of times in chapter 3 where John will say, if you are of God, if you are of the truth, if you are the children of God or the children of the devil, and then he goes on to define it. Well, that's the theme of this chapter. Who do you belong to? Well, we belong to God. And the, the way, uh, the responsibilities that we have as children of God are paramount. Those responsibilities are to, to purify ourselves and to stay away from sin, to love our brethren. And as a result of that, we have this great assurance, this great hope in heaven, this great hope knowing that we're right with God and that we're going to be with him in heaven forever. And remember that that really is the purpose of this book, so that Christians can be assured, so that Christians can know, so that we don't have to lay our heads down on our pillow at night with some level of anxiety wondering what will happen if the Lord returns or if we pass away in our sleep. 
We know that we're right with God, that we're serving Him and living for Him, and we're going to go live with Him in heaven forever. So to whom do you belong? Are you a child of God or a child of the devil? Pay close attention to 1 John 3 and the whole book of 1 John, of course, but specifically this chapter, and the answer is revealed in, in its contents. Well, we've reached the end of our episode for today, and we thank you so much, as always, for joining us and for studying God's Word with us. We invite you to worship with us at the Southwest Congregation if you happen to find yourself in the Austin area. And we invite you to visit our website, www.swcofc.org, and you can find archived sermons and articles and various other resources to help you in your study of God's Word. We thank you again for listening We ask you to like and to subscribe to our podcast and, of course, tell your friends and your family members all about it and about the work that we do here and keep us in your prayers as you certainly are in ours. Thanks again, and we hope that you'll be back with us on our next episode as we open up the Bible and study more of the wonderful Word of Life. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast please visit our website at swcofc.org for more information about the Southwest Church of Christ. And if you're in the Austin area, please come and visit with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life.